you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this Thursday, June 8th edition of Voice the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Excited to be back with you guys. We'll continue our series on a couple of fronts today that we've been doing on the Hoist the Colors radio program. A, we're going to continue our opponent preview. Of course, with baseball season coming to an end, we're looking ahead to football season. We're going into the opponents the Pirates will play. We talked about Marshall earlier this week. We're going to talk about ECU's third game. Later in the program, Appalachian State. We'll catch up with David Ware. He is the publisher of App State Mania on the 24-7 Sports Network. So we'll talk about the matchup with the Mountaineers scheduled for Boone later this year. ECU's first trip to Boone since the 1970s. So excited about that matchup. We'll get into the Pirates heading there, of course. And then we're also going to continue our discussion about the American Athletic Conference. The league is welcoming in six new teams. Some of you may be familiar with some of them. Others of you may not be familiar at all, or maybe just a little bit familiar. So yesterday we ran over the introduction of the Charlotte 49ers to the American Athletic Conference because, of course, they'll be joining the league this year. Another team that ECU is familiar with is the UAB Blazers. We're going to be talking about that and what they bring to the conference as we go through each of the six teams Again, Hoist the Colors will continue through the rest of this week and next week. We'll go through Friday, uh, and then we'll take a summer break, but we're going to continue to preview the American and opponents, and we'll also have some special guests next week and going forward uh, to today and to tomorrow as well. So Philip Pilkington is in the studio at 94.3 The Game. Philip, before we dive into UAB, I just want to get your take on Appalachian State and you know, we kind of had the conversation yesterday about Charlotte, and when when the American was expanding, it was interesting because I felt like there was a lot of discussion about, hey, the Pirates are going to add, or the, the conference is going to add a in-state team for the Pirates to kind of associate with. A lot of people thought it would be Appalachian State because they're more of a known commodity as far as a known brand. The conference chose to go to the bigger market, but your thoughts on kind of the matchup with Appalachian State and it continuing as a series? I, I personally am a fan of the series because I think the two schools are identifiable in, in many ways. And I, I honestly am really excited for the game and the trip to Boone to see a football game over there. Yeah, I am. You know, the unfortunate thing about being a Pirate fan here in the recent time is there hasn't been that rivalry ever since they quit playing Virginia Tech every year. Obviously, NC State happens sporadically, Carolina every now and again. But I think East Carolina needs that close geographical out-of-conference rivalry, whether that be a team like Wake Forest, who I don't even know the last time we played Wake, but you think it would be a, a marketable thing, but obviously they haven't gone that path. But I think Appalachian State is a perfect choice because they have a very path. Excuse me, passionate fan base. I've been getting tongue-tied all day. I apologize. But um, they have a passionate fan base, and um, they travel well. Uh, it was a pretty intense game uh, when we played them at Bank of America Stadium a few years ago, not only on the field, but uh, I remember some drunk app fans talking a lot of junk in the stands. So I think uh, this is something that could definitely become a rivalry, and I wouldn't be opposed to playing these guys every year. So I'm really excited for the trip up to Boone, like you said, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see how it pans out. 
We'll talk to David Ware, get an in-depth look at the Appalachian State Mountaineers, who had a bit of a down year last year, their first year not making a bowl game since being eligible to make one at the FBS level. So we're live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on Twitter. If you got a question, tweet at us or drop a comment. Facebook, YouTube, we'll get to it. John Moody, uh, quick comment here, wants to know if there are any football scheduling rumors right now in the uh, the landscape of schedules. So John, right now I don't have a ton for you. I can tell you we're going to have John Gilbert, the athletics director at East Carolina, in studio next Wednesday from 12 to 1. He's already told me he's he's down to spend the whole hour in studio and take everybody's questions. So save that question for Wednesday. We'll ask him what we can. Of course, I've had him on the podcast recently. We've talked about some scheduling and you know, he shared some notes here or there. I know they're working on some things and, and in conversations, in talks. You know, I do know that they've they've reached out to teams like NC State and North Carolina to continue those series, but right now not getting a whole lot of traction there. So, um, you know, of course there is a future series with Wake Forest already scheduled, which I am excited about that game continuing. Duke, it sounds like, just has no real interest in playing ECU right now in football. So, again, we'll have those conversations with John Gilbert, the East Carolina Athletics Director, next Wednesday. So we'll have John Gilbert in studio Wednesday. He'll be live, and we'll be taking all your questions. Tuesday, we're going to have Shane Winkler, the softball coach, softball head coach, just wrapped up his second year at ECU. We'll have him in studio on Tuesday, and we'll take your live questions as well. We'll talk about the growth of the program. They made progress this year, some big progress, and uh, got another good recruiting class coming in and a lot of young players with talents. We'll talk to Shane Winkler we talk some Pirates softball on Tuesday. We'll continue our opponent previews next week. And uh, tomorrow's show, we got an ECU Pirate legend. One of the favorite players of mine growing up was Keith Stokes, electric receiver, electric return man. We'll talk to him. Of course, played ECU football in the, uh, the 1990s. Philip, let's get into our American Athletic Conference preview as far as the teams coming in. And next up is UAB. Again, we talked about Charlotte yesterday. UAB not on the football schedule this year. We should see them in basketball, and you know I'll be honest, there there was not a, a team that I despised watching ECU play on the road more growing up than UAB because they used to play at Legion Field, which was an absolute dump. I'd been there for multiple bowl games. It was uh, it was just depressing to go there. There was nothing around the stadium that was in a dark place in Birmingham. So I went to the Birmingham Bowl this year in their new protective stadium, and it is a state-of-the-art facility, perfect for what UAB uh, needs. And I think I'm really honestly excited about going back to Birmingham for when ECU plays in a couple of years. So uh, we'll get into what UAB brings to the conference. But I think the main thing is really one of the more interesting stories in that their football program was shut down only to come back. And since then and since getting an on-campus stadium, they've been very successful. They have been. I mean, you know, they've made a bowl game every year since 2017. They've been pretty successful in those bowl games as well, going three and two. They did have their 2020 bowl canceled, but, you know, kind of who didn't, right? But anyways, um, you know, I think it is kind of, this is one of the teams that is a little more exciting to bring in. Um, 
it's not a huge national brand. None of these teams really are. I mean, maybe Rice is the biggest name coming in just from a national standpoint because they used to be in the Southwest Conference back in the day with all the powerhouse Texas schools. But, uh, you know, that Blazer Dragon is, is kind of recognizable, I would say, around. But the big thing is they are good in the biggest revenue sport. They have been going to bowl games. They have been winning bowl games, and they've even played, uh, well, their one game, I guess, against the Power 5 team and a bowl game got canceled against South Carolina. But either way, it is definitely a different program than they were before they, they shut down. Yeah, and honestly, we were looking at the attendance numbers earlier. Not, you know, not outstanding attendance, but they have had fans at their games, around 20,000 fans. Protective Stadium actually holds upwards of 40,000. I don't think UAB is going to be filling that up anytime soon for an American Athletic Conference game. But, you know, they can draw in the mid-20s. They can have a decent atmosphere. If you've got the potential to go to any road games in the future, I would recommend. And, honestly, the, the area around the stadium in Birmingham is really cool. It, you know, it was kind of shut down for the bowl game, which was a disappointment because, like, why would you have a bowl game and not take advantage of it if you're the local restaurants? It was a few days after Christmas, so I'll give them some slack. But, still, it, it was a missed opportunity for those businesses. But I would assume in football season those – you know, local eateries or whatnot are going to be pretty prime spots to, to have a bite, you know, across, right across the street from the stadium, good spot to eat. So uh, looking forward to making more trips there in the future. And I, I don't really know what to make of the, the Trent Dilfer hire, Philip. I mean, it was one of the more bizarre hires. Uh, the only thing I know Trent Dilfer for outside of his average quarterback play in the NFL is uh, the fact that, you know, you cannot well, – what do you say? You cannot lose games in the in the NFL and still win. That's his favorite. <laughs> yeah. That's his uh, famous line from ESPN, <laughs> his ESPN days. Yeah. No, it, it was kind of a weird hire. I mean, does he have any coaching experience? I can't remember a time he's been a coach. Yeah. I don't – he may have done some high school coaching, and I think he may have worked with, like, the Elite 11 camp or something, quarterback. But, like, as far as hands-on college – coaching college recruiting i don't think he has any of that experience and maybe i'm speaking wrong if he does i know it's very minimal i mean he's known more for his playing days and being an analyst yeah he was actually the head coach at litscombe from 2019 to 2022 i had no idea so, so that uh, so lipscomb college so yeah oh well maybe he has more experience than we know but well, did he have any success there? Yeah, I don't know. Like, well, when I click on it, this is this. I don't even know if this is the D1 Litscombe. It's Litscombe Academy, a private college preparatory yeah, Christian I school. I think it was a yeah. high school. Yep, never mind. This is a prep school. So, I mean, yeah, coaching yep. in a prep school, but does that, you know, qualify you to go be a group of five head coach? I don't know. I mean, I can tell you that his name might put butts in seats. So whatever that means, uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, if you didn't get Prime. Prime went to Colorado, so yeah, yeah. I, guess I mean, if you can't hire Prime. You Trent Dilfer is the next best thing. Yeah, I mean, hey, you, you won a Super Bowl. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm trying to sell this. I can't. I don't know. Yeah, this is weird. This is a weird. I mean, they, you know, you'd be hired somebody named Bill Clark, and not the Bill Clark from Bill Clark Holmes, but. Uh, at the time, he was, you know, kind of a similar story. He'd only really coached in Alabama. He ended up having big-time success. Of course, he had to, to hang it up. So maybe they're on to something. Maybe they're ahead of the curve. But I feel like I, – I think this is either going to be a complete disaster or amazing. So that's, uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. And what I think gives him maybe the hope – 
of it being amazing, at least, is this guy's obviously been an NFL quarterback and analyst. He knows a lot of people, so hopefully he can at least bring in the right staff around him. You know, this day and time, a head coach is important, don't get me wrong, but your coordinators and your staff is so important in your success. So if he can bring in the right guys around him, and maybe the right guys just want to come just because, yeah, he does have a Super Bowl ring, I don't know. I guess that can be a selling point and you know, in trying to call a guy up and have him come coach for you. Uh, you know, that's the only hope I guess I've got for him for it to work out. But you're right, if it doesn't work out, it's I don't see them going six and six every year. They're going to be ten and two, or they're going to be two and ten. It'll be interesting to follow. ECU UAB do not play this fall. I believe they're scheduled to play next year. I'm not sure if that game will be home or away, but either way, uh, the Pirates and Blazers will be meeting on the gridiron soon enough, just like the old Conference USA days. The other aspect of this, along with them elevating, I think, the football competitiveness and overall, you know, the competition, because I think they're going to be a very solid team. I don't know if they'll compete or compete for a championship year one or year two of the Trent Dilfer era, era, but at least they are in a spot where they can contend. The other piece of this for me is the, the basketball program. UAB basketball, for those who are not familiar, they're a really good program. They have been to several NCAA tournaments. They won 29 games this past year, made it to the uh, Felipe NIT Finals. Mm-hmm. They made the NCAA tournament in 2022. Uh, they have been to double-digit NCAA tournament appearances all time. They went in 22, 2015, 2011, uh, 2006, 05, 04, 1999. So, I mean, this is a, this is a program historically that is very good, and they got a good head coach in Andy Kennedy who has won at multiple stops, and I expect him to compete at a high level in the American right away. Uh, 29 wins last year, Philip, no joke. And, you know, we really it, every team we profile in this in this feature, we're going to find has a very good men's basketball program or has at least come off a very good year. UAB is another one of those. They are. And, you know, the interesting thing you brought up, they lost 10 games this past year of the NIT runner-up. Well, that was the first time they had lost double-digit games since the 2020 season. They were 22-7 and in the 2021 season and 27-8 and the following year. You know, as you mentioned, it seems like even the years they do not make the NCAA tournament, they're at least making the NIT or the CBI. They're playing postseason basketball and Right now, I think for the American, the biggest worry is, is this going to become a true mid-major, a true one-bid league? And that is the worry. UAB is one of those teams that can step up with the departure of UCF and Houston, who have done a very good job getting to the NCAA tournament for the better part of the last decade, and can step up and say, hey, you know what? This conference deserves at-large bids to the NCAA tournament. It deserves to be a two-, three-, four-bid league. So, you know, not that you're pulling for another team in your conference, obviously, but I think this is a team that can go out there. They get respect from the committee. They can have success, maybe hopefully have a tough out-of-conference schedule. I'm not sure what their schedule looks like this year, but you hope with those, you know, with that success that – Big teams will be likely to schedule them, that they can have success against those teams, and prove that this league can be a multi-bid league. UAB bringing probably, uh, I think, the best overall program they bring to the table. I think that, you know, they got a very nice arena, Barto Arena, and uh, it's a good place to watch a game. They've hosted some big games there in the past. They've won some big NCAA tournament games. I remember watching them take on, I believe it was Kentucky one year, number one seed in the tournament and had a great game. So, uh, again, a lot of tradition in men's basketball. I think they'll bring a lot to the table there. 
Now let's talk baseball, Philip. This is probably one of the weaker baseball programs entering the league. They have only made three tournament appearances all time, the most recent coming in 2012. They aren't terrible at baseball, I'll say that. I mean, they were not good this past year. They went 17-36, and 8-22 and 22 in Comp USA. Uh, the year before that, they were five, six games over 500. So, again, they're not bad. It's not like they're, uh, you know, you know, as bad as some of the teams were in the American and have been for years now. So I think they'll be respectable, but I don't think this is going to be a team that you expect from day one, like a Charlotte or even UTSA had a very good year this past year to, to come in and, and really challenge East Carolina baseball. No, it's not. But you know, the one thing that is big about a conference jump is I would take a team who's better in the two revenue sports and worse in baseball. I know it sucks being a Pirates fan because we want baseball to be good. We want to host, and I get that. But baseball and non-revenue sports go as the big sports goes. Their TV deal is going up to $7 million this year as opposed to the $1 million it was. They will have success, I think, in basketball and football, which will bring in money that they can then put into their baseball program. Yeah, it's unfortunate that they're not going to come in, like you said, like a Charlotte, like a UTSA right off the bat. But, hey, five teams are coming in. From a baseball standpoint, you can't expect all five to be a phenomenal program. Unfortunately, UAB's one of the ones that's probably going to be the worst if one of the worst, if not the worst of the five. But hopefully, you know, all those things that it's talked about will make the baseball program more successful as time goes on. All right, there's an early look at UAB. We'll talk more Blazers in a little bit. We're going to take our first break because we got to catch up with David Ware from App State Mania on the other side. So let's get that in, our first break on Hoisting Colors on 94.3 The Game. We'll have our App State ECU preview up next. Here there be pirates. Back to hoist the colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? All right, welcome back into hoist the colors on 94.3 The Game. We are rolling along here. We did our American Athletic Conference preview. We looked at the UAB Blazers in our opening segment, and now we're going to do our opponent preview. We got Appalachian State up next. We do have. Uh, David Ware on hold, right, Clark? Yep. So, all right, let's go to David Ware from App State Mania. Let's preview this game set up for mid-September in Boone, North Carolina. David, uh, how excited is App State and the, the fan base there to welcome the Pirates to town? It's been quite some time. It's been too long. Uh, I think most of the App State fan base would, would tell you they would like to see this be a much more regular rivalry. Uh, this came on the heels of news yesterday that, uh, season tickets are sold out at App State. And, uh, we do have a, a really good Sunbelt schedule this year, but, uh, I'm going to give the credit where the credit's due. I think the Pirates have a lot to do with those sellouts. So, uh, you're going to find a full house when you come to Kid Brewer Stadium in September. Yeah. I, I mean, as somebody who has not seen a game there, I've, I've driven through Boone, I've driven through the campus just to check it out. But honestly, as a reporter, can't wait to to see what the atmosphere is like. I can't wait to see, you know, the the energy both teams bring to the stadium. Because I agree, I think it's a game right now. You look at the landscape of college football; it just it makes a lot of sense. I think both fan bases are very similar. Uh, we can get into the discussion of why the American added Charlotte over App State, uh, which uh, you know I've, we talked about a little bit this week. But you know, when you look at kind of just this game, it just makes a lot of sense, David, doesn't it? Like, I feel like I'm glad that there's a four-game series schedule, but I think both fan bases really want to see this continue into the future, don't you? 
I don't think there's any reason for it not to continue into the future. You know, truthfully, I mean, it, there's just so much regional pull. I think you're right. I think there are a lot of similarities between the fan bases. Um, I think we're both kind of grassroots types of programs. We're just on opposite ends of the state. And, you know, with all the turmoil that's going on in the ACC right now, you know, how much is smoke, how much is fire, you know, uh, how are those rivalries going to play out going forward? Are, you know, are those teams even going to be in the same conferences down the road? You know, I think having having a couple of in-state schools with a lot of passion for football, a lot of tradition, great cultures, and great home field experiences, uh, it makes all the all the sense in the world to me. Um, obviously, I'm not in the decision making uh, tree there, so uh, all I can do is, is what a lot of fans can do, and that's that's wish for more of this. But you know, just the the experience in Charlotte a couple of years ago, what I'm anticipating in Boone this season, what I'm anticipating in Greenville the next time we're there. I, you know, it it just there's really no argument against it that I can come up with. David Ware, he is the App State Mania publisher, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And, David, let's talk about the expectations for Appalachian State going into 2023. And, obviously, Sean Clark taking the job a few years ago, 9-3, and 10-4. And, and then last year, 6-6, six and six, a bit of a surprise, 3-5 and five in the Sun Belt. And they had some really tough competitive losses, uh, but losses at the end of the day. So when you kind of look at – at last year, what happened and going into this year, like, is there expectations for a bounce back? Is there concern? Kind of what's the overall feeling with the fan base? Well, I mean, uh, you know, um, fan bases are fan bases, Stephen, and, and you guys have been through this too. Um, <laughs> when it's good, it's great, and when it's not, it's terrible. And, you know, typically the truth lies somewhere in between. It was a weird season. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, we started out with uh, an absolute barn burner against North Carolina here in Boone. Uh, 63 to 61. It was a winnable game, just slipped away from us at the end. Um, we then turn around, go to College Station and knock off Texas A&M. And, you know, that was a totally different kind of game. It was very low scoring. It was very, uh, grinded out type of game. And you're feeling like, you know, you nearly knocked off North Carolina. You did beat, at the time, a top 10 rated Texas A&M team. Then the next week you come back to Boone, and we've got college game day here. And that just created a, a, a bizarre dynamic that, that I can't even describe. It was just so electric here. We go to play Troy, who loses only two games all season. One of them is a Hail Mary finish here in Boone. i got to be honest with you, by the third week of the season, I was drained. I mean, you were, the emotional swings had just been so violent over the opening three weeks. It was like, how are we ever going to make it to the end? I don't know that the team necessarily felt that. Um, some things started happening after that that were, you know, they're part of the game. I mean, that's one of the things, you know, fans like to say, well, you know, is it an excuse or is it part of the game? Injuries are part of the game. Um, for App, the running game is so much a part of our identity. Our top two running backs get dinged up in those first three weeks. Those were very physical games. And it took a while before those guys were back and healthy, and we felt that. You know, you had some key injuries early in the season on defense, and our defensive depth probably is not what we've been used to having here. And those things, one piece at a time, really start to catch up with you. So as you fast forward into the rest of the season, and you mentioned this, App loses six games. Five of those six losses by a touchdown or less, three of those losses by four points or less. 
And I think it's just part of the mathematical reality. Look, if you're going to play in one possession game, you're not guaranteed win or lose either direction. And things just weren't breaking our way. We were missing that one key play, whether it was offense, whether it was defense, typically it was both, along the way that probably would have swung some of those games in a different direction. But at the end of the day, the losses are still lost, no matter how close they were. I think as you, you know, as you turn towards this season, I really see um, a lot of questions because for the first time in a long time, and again, this is something ECU fans will, will appreciate, we've had over the past nine seasons just three starting quarterbacks, and that's pretty pretty unusual in today's transfer portal world. You guys experienced that as well uh, with Holt Naylor. So, you know, when you finally kind of break out of that continuity, what's going to happen? And we had a great competition in spring ball. Um, Richard freshman Ryan Berger from Myrtle Beach uh, is probably your number one quarterback at this point. But that's a competition that's going to continue on. We've also got a junior college transfer, Joey Aguilar, who came in from the West Coast, who really pushed Ryan during spring ball. Either way, we're going to have a new guy under center, and that means you're going to have to rely on a couple of things. One, that running game I mentioned. We need to be able to move the ball on the ground, take some pressure off the new quarterback. Number two, you got to be great defensively. And we've got leadership changes in both of those coordinator positions that I'm really excited about and I think are going to pay benefits as we move forward. But I think those are kind of the key things I see right now. You mentioned that running game, and I still, you know, I can still see that stretch run just giving ECU nightmares on the, the Bank of America uh, field turf, man. They just could not slow it down in that opener in 2021. And obviously, Sean Clark, an offensive lineman at App State during his day, an offensive line coaching background. So it feels like that will always be the, the bread and butter uh, of the offense. How do they feel about, you know, the, the O line and obviously the, the running back personnel returning as well? Yeah, you know, I think, um, a couple of things. One, you're right. As long as Sean Clark is here, we're going to be a run-to-win team. Here's one key I'll, I'll point out. So in 2021, our offensive coordinator was Frank Potts. Frank had come to App originally with Scott Satterfield when he arrived in 2013-2014 range. And Frank was calling the plays against you guys in Bank of America Stadium. Frank left, went to Miami for a year as quarterbacks coach, and he's back at App now calling the plays again. As much as Sean Clark is going to want to push the run game, Frank is more so than that. So, you know, you will see some, you will see us return back to some of the tendencies that you saw in that 2021 game. Uh, as far as the O-line goes, we've got three of the five starters back, but we are replacing both starting offensive tackles. Uh, one of whom got drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the other one is in a free agent camp. So uh, you're replacing two really steady, good performers there. That's going to be a question mark. I'm not going to lie to you. We saw we saw some progress in spring. There's going to have to be more progress before we hit August and fall camp. Uh, depth on the offensive line has also been a question, but we've also seen a lot of transfer portal activity. Uh, brought in a brought in a lineman from NC State brought in one from the University of Georgia. You've got several more. I think that we're going to expect to see bringing a little more experience and knowledge to that position room. As far as the running backs go, um, 
you know, you try to stay away from hyperbole when you do what you and I do uh, and, and try to report on things objectively. To me, this is the deepest running back room I've seen at App State. Um, you've got a you've got a 2,300-yard career rusher in Nate Noel who is back, and he's going to be the unquestioned number one back this year. But behind him are a group of four other runners, any of whom I consider to be game-ready right now. Um, and they all bring different running styles. You've got a little bit of slash in there. You've got a little bit of power and size. Um, you know, uh, there's a name that's familiar to folks in your part of the state, Kanye Roberts, who was at Wallace Rose Hill. I think I'm looking for Kanye to have a real breakout season this year. He was very explosive last year in spot duty. I think he's going to be primary in that rotation. Uh, I just feel good about the ability to keep wearing a defense down with that running game. And the minute you get comfortable with one type of running style, here comes a change at you. And, you know, I think that that brings a lot of things to the table in terms of opening up the passing game down the field. You mentioned the defense, too, and then maybe the change on that side of the ball. What went into to that decision uh, with the coordinator? And then also, do you feel like the defense has a chance to make a jump this year? And, and honestly, looking at the numbers, it's not like they were terrible last year. They had some really good performances. It was just maybe some some inconsistency and some of those injuries adding up, as you said. Um, yeah, I, it was some of that, Stephen. I mean, I, look, you know, again, I don't think you I don't think you gain ground by not recognizing where the weaknesses were. One of the really uh, really the biggest things that killed us last year was getting off the field on third down, and especially third down and long, you know, which by percentages you expect to be on the sideline one play later. And, and too many times we let that get away from us. And, you know, I think some of it was the personnel. Um, there was a leadership change that was driven by Sean Clark and, and bringing Scott Sloan um, back. And, you know, I think it's just about defensive philosophy maybe sometimes. Um, Scott came back. He's brought in some guys that he's worked with in the past. So there was pretty much a wholesale change of that defensive staff that took place. Um, again, just because you change leadership doesn't mean you're going to get the results you always want. But I feel good about the vibe that I've seen during spring ball. Um, I'm able to get in the, the coaches' offices during the, the off season as well. And there's just a lot of stability that Scott brings with his approach. As far as the personnel goes, you know, we've got a lot of guys back that were key players last year. You hope that year makes them, you know, a little bit, a little bit wiser, um, and, and helps their performance level. We've also dipped into the transfer portal there too, uh, brought in a couple of Big Ten defensive ends who bring, you know, certainly a different dynamic physically that you would expect at our level, but, you know, I, I feel like there's, I just feel like there's a lot more continuity among the defensive staff right now because they've all worked together before. And that's one of the things I think that has really kind of led to that, maybe that six and six season, Stephen, is, you know, starting with Scott Satterfield's departure in 2018, we've had a lot of turnover in this coaching staff and that has not been our history at all. And I don't care, you know, what your program is, where your culture is, those kinds of things. When you continue to churn your coaching staff year after year, which has literally been the case here, eventually it catches up to you. And, and I think it has, but, you know, I think one of the things that, that Sean Clark did in the offseason, we, he went out and found Frank Potts, Scott Sloan, guys who have been here and understand this place so that they can bring their knowledge of what has made App State successful in the past and apply that to the present.
We're visiting with David Ware from App State Mania. We'll have a few more things for you then get you out of here, David. So September 16th is a 3.30 kickoff in Boone, North Carolina. A lot of Pirate fans I know are making the trip. Anything specifically, if they're going for the first time, you would kind of recommend to see on game day or any places near the stadium, you know, whether it be to eat or anything that you would recommend to Pirate Nation heading that way uh, in September? Well, I think recommendation number one is start early. You're going to want to be here early because, you know, the traffic is going to be nuts. Um, you know, number two, um, uh, find your parking place. And then just take the opportunity to walk around in downtown Boone. Um, it's just got a unique vibe. You know, it's a, it's a different kind of place. There will be some eating establishments there, but I, you know, I, here's one thing I would say. Take advantage of the opportunity to walk the parking lots, to walk the tailgate lots. Uh, I think a couple of things you'll find. One, there'll, there'll be a, there will be a familiar vibe. I've been to some ECU games and you guys do an incredible job of setting the tone before the game even starts. You'll find a lot of that at App State, too, and I think you'll find a lot of friendly people who will invite you to come over, have some food, have yourself a beverage of whatever type you like. You know, it, it, just it, immerse yourself in kind of the experience here and immerse yourself with the fans because, you know, by and large, our fan base is great to be around, and, and they respect the fact that we're going to have an opponent in town that we've always wanted to have a rivalry with. You know, and, and they're going to want to show you guys a great time. But, you know, the good thing about Boone is it's not so big that you can't get to most of it by foot. So come early, stay late, enjoy the fans, and enjoy the ambiance. Last thing for you, David. So when the American looked to expand, I, I kind of made a case for why App State would be a good fit. And the American seems to want to go to more of the big market programs. ECU, honestly, the the only program in the league now with a uh, smaller market on paper. Uh, the rest of the teams coming in, Charlotte, of course, being a big market team. Was App State hoping to get that call? Did they you know, not want it? Are they happy in the Sun Belt? What, what was kind of the, the take on where App State fits in the current landscape of college athletics and their place in the Sun Belt? Well, you know, I think that's an interesting question, and you, you ask ten different people, you get ten different answers. Um Here's my perspective on it, Stephen. You know, I, I think you're right. I think the I think the AAC does tend to be market driven. Um, you know, there's some realities about Boone. Um, there's not a big or, airport close by. Okay, so you're a couple of hours, you know, flying into Charlotte typically uh, to get up here. You know, in terms of large full service hotels, that's a deficit too. That's just not the kind of thing you see up here. The land is difficult to build on, and it's awfully expensive. So you know, you're not going to come up here and find a Hilton or a Hyatt hotel. Um, and, and, you know, there are just some realities about, you know, traveling, certainly as a football team, to Appalachian State. That can be a little bit challenging. I'm sure that was probably part of it. Uh, we are still in the process, I think, of bringing all of our athletic facilities up to what I would call it kind of that FBS level. Um, the football stadium is, is really kind of there. Um, you can always use more seats, but I think generally speaking, nobody's gonna, is gonna argue with our football vibe. Um, but you know, there are other non-revenue sports where maybe, you know, we're still playing some catch up to, to find our place in that, you know, maybe that higher level. And you know, if that doesn't exist immediately, um, a lot of, a lot of conferences probably wouldn't consider us. As far as where we are, I'm perfectly happy with the Sun Belt. You know, the expansion that took place last year made us much more competitive. 
Um, from a football standpoint, it is a real grind over here now. I, I couldn't have said that when we first joined the league in 2014, but now there's not a week off, you know, legitimately. Um, and again, you know, from a, for a season that just ended for ECU and, and ended about two weeks ago for us, the, uh, the Sun Belt is a Power Five conference in baseball. And, you know, our program took a big step forward this year, and, you know, I think the fan base really enjoyed that. But, you know, there are a lot of things about the Sun Belt that are really great, uh, one of which for us is the travel benefits. You know, the expansion that took place, and it, before that took place, we were kind of the northern outpost of the Sun Belt. Well, now we've got four more schools right around it. And, you know, that makes the travel so much easier for us. Um, being in the East Division now is very different than it was when we had to travel four hours to the closest rival previously. So, I, you know, for my money, I think that we're doing well in the Sun Belt. Uh, I think App State Sports is very challenged by the Sun Belt, and I think that's what you want. And I think before you think about moving, I don't know, up, over, you know, sometimes I, I don't think a move up necessarily is what it looks to be. I think we need to be really very good where our feet are now and appreciate that. And if opportunities come down the road, well, you consider those when they come. But, you know, uh, the the whole realignment thing has just been so unpredictable. I like being anchored somewhere that we've got great competition and that we're building good rivalries. He's David Ware, publisher of App State Mania on the 24-7 Sports Network. David, awesome conversation, man. Appreciate the time, and I'm sure we'll be calling on you again, maybe come game week, and we'll be catching up before uh, – maybe maybe we'll be catching up in person in Boone at some point. But uh, looking forward to the trip over to the western part of the state, man. Thanks for your time today. Anytime, Steve. I hope you guys have a great day. That's David Ware from App State Mania. Good insight on the Mountaineers and everything with their program right now. All right, we'll get our second break in on the other side. We'll talk more about the matchup with the Mountaineers as Philip rejoins us, and we'll talk, continue our conversation on the American Athletic Conference and the introduction of UAB into the league going forward. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Rocker! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back into this Thursday, June 8th edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Really enjoyed our chat with David Ware from App State Mania on our previous segment. If you missed it, of course, you can go back and listen to it on the IBX Media app, on YouTube, on Facebook. If you got a question, comment, drop it. And uh, we'll get to it on the show. Uh, Chandler Hazleton was telling me going into the into the interview, saw the comment on YouTube to expect some in-depth answers. And yeah, David was very in-depth, but very uh, very informative. Appreciate the insight there. And uh, Philip Pilkington rejoins us from the ninety-four-three The Game Studios. Philip, did you learn anything? New on the Appalachian State Mountaineers that you didn't know going in. Well, one of the things he said to me kind of stuck out was the fact the fans were going to be nice to us because I can tell you Bank of America State, those yeah. people were horrible. I don't know what he's <laughs> on, but, yeah. Now well, hey, there's, uh, yeah, there, there's, I mean, let's be real. There's a section of the ECU fan base, I'm sure, that was uh, was not so nice to the App State fans in, sure. in Charlotte that day either. That That is probably true. Now, overall, I really do have had decent 
Growing up around app fans, they were fine. Uh, as an ECU fan, my one experience with app fans wasn't great, but hey, you know, everybody's got a bad day, right? But no, he was very insightful. That's true. Um, obviously, he talked a lot about last season. You know, it was an unfortunate run for them, especially with how hot it started. And you know, in the final court year of a quarterback like Chase Bryce. Uh, who had had the success he had had there the previous year after transferring in from Duke. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, he talked about, and this is kind of the thing I learned, about the, you know their defense being the bulk of their team and their running game being the bulk of their team, which is not a thing you think of here in the 2020s. It is a pass-first, offense-first type of football that we play now, especially at the collegiate level. So learned that. That was a little interesting because the last time I was really watching App was as a kid back Back in the Imani Edwards days, and they had one heck of an offense there to three straight FCS championships. So it's going to be interesting to see. It seems like they are a lot like the Pirates in that way. So we are going to two games into the season, and we will go into week three facing a team that is built a lot like us, a team that will have a new starting quarterback from a year ago. And uh, I, th- I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited, and uh, I think it's going to be a good measuring stick for the Pirates after what is, I think, going to be too tough first games. Yeah, it, it really is kind of an interesting matchup because there are a lot of similarities on both sides in that he talked about the quarterback situation. He talked about the O-line being a little bit rebuilt. ECU is the same way. The defense has some returning pieces, but it's young. You know, the only real difference is ECU does not have coordinator changes. And at the same time, App State is bringing some guys back who have experience there. So it's not like they're they're brand new to the culture. Um, of course, Pons was the OC when they beat ECU in 2021. But it, it, it really should be an interesting game. And honestly, a potential swing game, Philip, early in the season for both teams. I think you make that argument. I'm not as familiar with App State schedule. I don't have it pulled up, but I know they have a tough game the week before the ECU game. And, of course, we, we've talked about East Carolina. You don't really want to start 0-3. You know, I think on paper they should be – it should be a toss-up, maybe the Marshall game, or the Pirates should be a slight favorite going into that home opener. But I would think going on the road, ECU is probably going to be a, a slight underdog unless App State really underperforms or ECU overperforms early in the season. Yeah, I think we probably will just solely because of the fact, like you said, it is on the road. It probably would be an even game or darn near close to one if it was at a neutral site. But looking at App's schedule here, they're going to start with their FCS opponent, Gardner-Webb, a team that the Pirates will see the week after playing Appalachian State. And then they go to Carolina, and that's a game they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder because it was a hard-fought game a year ago. I Don't quote me on the final score. I want to say it was 65-63. I know that both teams beat... It was broke, definitely in the 60s. Yeah, yeah, both teams definitely broke 60, and uh, App lost by a field goal or so. So I think that's going to be a big uh, you know, kind of chip on their shoulder type game, but I think that you know, could really affect the way they play against East Carolina. You know, if they go out there and just get pounded, they could really come in uh, a little sluggish, you know, a little feeling sorry for themselves. But if they go out there and they play well or even win, you know, when they head over to Chapel Hill, they could be, in, you know, feeling very good about themselves and obviously expecting to at least start 1-0 and as they place Gardner-Webb there at Kid Brewer Stadium to open the season. So, you know, it, you brought a point where it could be a swing game for either team based off how their first couple games go, and I think it definitely can because it will be the first time 
probably either – well, maybe not with you know, ECU because you mentioned the Marshall thing, but maybe first time with App where they're playing a team that is right at their level, and it'll be the second road game for ECU. They will have already went to a hostile environment. They will have played a team at home that's equal in competition. So to play an equal opponent on the road could be big for the Pirates. East Carolina Appalachian State coming up September 16th. Of course, we'll have more once we get closer to the season, but it's been fun previewing it today. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll talk some more conference expansion. And before we wrap up the show on the other side, you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We're wrapping up this Thursday, June 8th edition of the show. We've previewed App State. We talked about UAB's inclusion into the league, and they, of course, will be joining the league. No no matchup with UAB this year on the football field. Philip Pilkington in studio. Are you uh, – I, I don't know. Where, where, where would UAB fall in your new entry AAC power rankings, Philip? Would they – I guess they have to be near the top, although I'm not super excited about them. They beat Rice for me, and they beat North Texas at least. Yeah, I mean, just I guess due to recent success and the fact that they have been to a bowl game every year since 2017, out of the five coming in, you've got to put them pretty close to the top because Rice was 5-8 and eight a year ago. North Texas had a good year a few years back, but have kind of been down. Charlotte was abysmal. Um, I'm missing FAU. I think they were kind of middle of the pack this year, so... Um, you know, I guess they're so they're the top of the power rankings of the teams coming in. Well, not the top because you got UTSA, but maybe they're maybe they're second right. or third out of the teams coming in. But definitely not the top of the American because I think definitely Tulane's better and East Carolina's better as well as a couple others. Yeah. So who do you who do you want to talk about tomorrow? You want to go UTSA tomorrow to wrap up the week, or would you rather go with like a boring team like Rice? Nah, it's Friday. We got to do something fun on a Friday. We be boring on like next Tuesday or something. Okay, we'll go uh, we'll go UTSA tomorrow then to wrap up the week as we continue our American preview, kind of looking at the teams entering the league. We'll also talk to Keith Stokes, former East Carolina football player, tomorrow as well. By the way, one note before we get out of here. So on hoistacolors.net, it's a big recruiting weekend for East Carolina football. They've got a handful of official visitors set to come to campus. We've got the latest scoop for you on hoistacolors.net, and we're also running a special 60% off deal on hoistacolors.net. You can sign up for a VIP membership and get all the recruiting content. Of course, if there are any commitments this weekend, which I expect there to be, we're now in June, which is full-fledged recruiting season. We'll have that coverage for you going in to next week, but just wanted to share those uh, that, that special we're running online. Again, hoistacolors.net, 60% off. That special will last a couple of weeks. You can get all your recruiting scoop. we got a new crystal ball pick. We also got an early projection for the 2024 baseball team, which we've talked a little bit about on this show as well. So that will do it for today's edition of Hoist the Colors. I want to thank Philip, who was in studio with us. Also, Clark and Dom, who are producing, and David Ware, who joined us from App State Mania. Again, tomorrow we'll have Keith Stokes, former East Carolina receiver, special teams, electric playmaker. He'll join us via the phone line. We'll also dive into the UTSA Roadrunners and what they bring to the American Athletic Conference going forward. You've been listening to Voice of the Colors on 94.3. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.
has been Hoist the Collars with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Collars on 943 The Game.